This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. The headline reads, The Messiah is Coming. The Messiah is Coming. Well, he already came once, and he came the first time with persecution. What's he going to come with the second time? The same thing. Persecution, And so all of the apostles and Jesus himself warned of persecution that would rise in these end days just before the second coming of Messiah. We celebrate the birth of Christ, and it came with persecution, serious persecution. And we celebrate in anticipation the second coming of Christ. And it also comes with even increasing persecution. Today, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at how that is coming, even in the Western world, and particularly the United States of America, and among Christians. And I hope you'll stay tuned. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. You say, well, why would you talk about that? Why, Why don't you just talk about something really nice, something sweet? Well, uh, with the sweet comes something sour sometimes. When the angels came to the shepherds in Bethlehem, you recall that uh, the shepherds were absolutely shocked. They were shocked with a good form of surprise. And the angels said that uh, a Messiah was being born and that he would bring good news. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then, certain wise men from the east came. They had seen his star in the east and were come to worship him. But they didn't know exactly where this was going to be and the exact timing because, of course, they had followed a star. So they came to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem, and they thought, you know, certainly we'll be able to find some support here in Jerusalem. So they were led to the king, King Herod, who, by the way, may very well be labeled a type of Antichrist because he was Antichrist. That is, he was against Christ. He wasn't the Antichrist. He was against Christ because Christ was said to be a ruler, a king, that was to come and rule his people, Israel. So the wise men came to Herod and inquired, where is he that is to be born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Wow, worship him? That certainly got Herod's attention. Worship somebody who is intended to become king, and they're coming to worship from afar. That was to become king. We've got to do something about this. So Herod deceitfully inquired as to where such a king was to be born. 
He inquired of the religious leaders of his day. And they said, well, it's said in the book of uh, Micah that he would be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata, Bethlehem. So Herod decided, as you know, that he was going to dispense his constabulary, his soldiers, and he was going to dispense them to Bethlehem for what purpose? To destroy any possibility that this purported king would rule anywhere. And so he had all the little boy babies, two years of age and under, destroyed. Had them destroyed there in Bethlehem. It was a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been given by the prophet Jeremiah. Rachel weeping for her children who were not. And so we don't know how many young baby boys, two years of age and under, were destroyed by Herod in his rage, in his effort to prevent Jesus from ruling and reigning. But what we do know is in these end times, Jesus himself foretold of similar kinds of situations. In fact, far, far worse and global. That indeed, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, the disciples wrote. That Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Why do you think you should be different than your Lord? So it's interesting that with Christmas, what we celebrate as Christmas, the birth of the Messiah, actually was also the introduction of a new form of persecution. Not persecution against the Jews, but persecution against anyone who would embrace the Savior of the Jews, because Jesus came first to the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews, the Scripture says. And the rest of us, Gentiles, are grafted in. Which means if there's going to be persecution of the Jews, there's also going to be persecution of those who are grafted in. That means Gentile believers. So it's interesting that you cannot sanitize Christmas without also seeing the accompanying problems that were associated with the coming of Messiah. Interestingly now, an article has just come out last week. The United Nations is calling for Israel's founding as a catastrophe. This is maximized persecution. This is coming against all of Israel, all against the Jewish people and against their nation, the very people that God, in his mercy, said would be gathered in the end times to the land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as an eternal leasehold. Now, the nations are uniting. The General Assembly voted last Wednesday to hold an event commemorating Israel's establishment as a catastrophe. In a majority, 90 member countries voted in favor of the move, with 30 dissenting and 47 abstaining from the vote. In other words, those who abstained basically added their support to the effort to declare Israel a catastrophe. That's a kind of persecution, friends. In fact, it's national persecution 
It is the ultimate in anti-Semitism, which is the word that we use to describe persecution of the Jewish people. So again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and I trust that today's conversation will indeed some be somewhat transformative for all of us. Why is that? Because Jesus and all of his apostles warned of what we were going to be confronted with if we would truly embrace the Savior born to save his people from their sin. The celebration of Christmas brings also condemnation from the rest of the world. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. On Monday of this week, the Supreme Court listened to arguments concerning a case where the state demanded to control Christians' speech. Actually, it was not just Christian speech. It was their faith itself. It went to the very heart. But for legal purposes, the lawyers decided to focus on the First Amendment, and free speech rather than religious rights. So, the U.S. Supreme Court this very week signaled support for a Colorado web designer who's fighting that state's biased non-discrimination law that penalizes her for not violating her Christian faith. At issue is the extremely leftist state's demand. Colorado is an extremely leftist state. And they demanded that if this web designer would not design any uh, wedding websites for those who were involved in same-sex marriages, that she would have to be compelled by state law to do so. A related issue was decided by the Supreme Court only a few years ago, But the ruling was limited in that it found that Jax Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop could not be forced into an indoctrination program by the state for refusing to promote same-sex weddings with his cake artistry. That decision was based on the evidence that showed Colorado officials acted with hostility to Christianity. That case also revealed the bias in the state's law because it imposes penalties on Christians who choose not to promote a particular customer message. But at the same time, evidence confirmed that gay bakers, homosexual bakers, could refuse to create a cake that requested a quote from the Bible condemning homosexuality because they disagreed with the message. So this current case involves web designer Lori Smith, 
who is fighting Colorado's demands that she promote and create promotions of same-sex unions. She explains that it violates the constitutional protections for her religious faith, her Christian faith. Justice Amy Coney Barrett at one point noted during the court's arguments, let's just say that, say, the New York Times for Gay Pride Month decides that it's going to run to promote and recognize same-sex marriage, only same-sex marriage announcements, and turns away heterosexual announcements, not because it disparages or degrees with opposite-sex unions, but because it's trying to promote something else. Are governments now bent on stamping out all things Christian? The justice asked. She asked Colorado Solicitor General Eric Olson, who was advocating for the discrimination by the state, can it do that? That's a protected characteristic under the law. That was this week. That particular woman, Lori Smith, the graphic designer and owner of 303 Creative LLC, is headed was headed to the Supreme Court on Monday. They had oral arguments in the case. And Lori Smith now said she has been receiving many death threats. Many death threats. Threats. What would you call a death threat? Would you call that a form of persecution? What would you call it when a entire state and its government attempts to force you to promote that which you despise and which God despises and calls an abomination? What would you call that? As far as I can see, it's direct and open persecution. Not just for free speech, but against your religious, your Christian viewpoint. So the Christian viewpoint today is determining the destiny of those who promote it. What kind of destiny? The same kind of destiny that Herod tried to bring to the baby boys two years of age and younger when he was informed by the wise men that a king was being born. These people who are bringing these lawsuits against Christians because the Christians refuse to kowtow or submit to ungodly government are actually bringing open and notorious persecution. Some are having their businesses actually shut down because of these government actions. What do you call it? Not long ago, someone appeared on this program and just in an off-the-hand, off-the-cuff remark said, we don't have any persecution in America. Really? That comes as a complete surprise to me. I have personally experienced marginalization, usually a kind of silent marginal, marginalization since early on in my life, refusing to become part of a worldly endeavor, 
refusing to do this or that, which my friends or others in junior high school, for instance, wanted or were, or were doing. Those in high school, even those in a Christian college. Persecution comes in many forms. One of the mild forms of persecution is marginalization. In other words, you're rendered to the outside. You're not one of us, so to speak. Doesn't the Bible tell us that that's exactly what to expect? When Jesus was born and began to announce his and and do his miracles, all of a sudden there seemed to be some excitement. But then the excitement began to wane. Why did it begin to wane? Because they began to realize that this wasn't just about somebody performing miracles. This was about something much bigger. This was about something that was going to cause a change in your life. If you agreed to become part of what this Messiah was calling for, radical change in your life. They said, no, we're not going to go that far. And so behind the scenes, behind the scenes throughout the entire nation of Israel from north to south, things began to grow in opposition. At one point, you'll recall that Jesus was there in Nazareth where he was raised and he was speaking in the synagogue and they became so upset and irate with him that they picked him up and carried him over to the edge of a cliff and were going to throw him over the cliff. What would you call that? Is that persecution? Yes, that was persecution. So Jesus underwent persecution long before he ever went to the cross, long before he ever stood before the Sanhedrin the night before his crucifixion, long before Judas betrayed him, Jesus received persecution. How about the one who came before him, the forerunner, John the Baptist? Did he receive persecution? You bet. In fact, the more he stood for righteousness and what the Bible had to say, especially about marriage and divorce and remarriage, he became persona non grata to the king. In fact, so much so that the king had him arrested. Why? Because he had the temerity, that is, John the Baptist had the temerity to say that God was not approving the king having married his brother's wife. The king said, you're not going to continue with this kind of talk. So he silenced the conversation by having him imprisoned. What would you call that? Was that cancel culture? You see, cancel culture is not totally new. But it is improving in its severity, it's increasing in its severity, and in its ability to totally cut off communication. A part of that is because of technology. So technology then becomes an engine of persecution, 
of advancing the level and nature of persecution. For if we truly represent the coming of Christ and its implications in our lives as the Bible represents it, persecution is bound to come. You might even receive death threats like this Christian graphic designer who didn't go out of her way to try to engender persecution. She was just merely standing uh, righteously, not in a, a negative way, just saying, I can't do that. I cannot uh, bake cakes and use my uh, design and so on, or I cannot uh, per- create a website to celebrate and advance the cause of the practice of homosexuality, lesbianism, LGBTQ, and all of that. So what is actually happening now is that the LGBTQ and all of the other letters coming after that increasingly is being used as the engine for modern persecution. The premier engine for modern persecution, which is the engine to defy and defile the very birth of Christ. Jesus was not born of fornication. He was born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. Mary and Joseph did not shack out or shack up. Very explicitly, the scripture says they did not shack up. But today... Even in the church house, if a pastor comes out and preaches openly about cohabitation, instantly he has a target on his back, or you do, if you don't support it. How many families now at Christmas time are going to have to deal with this issue? The issue of someone in their extended family who is engaged in fornication, or cohabitation, or even adultery. Even adultery is being celebrated now as normative for the culture. So everything that God says he hates and is an abomination is now celebrated as that which is cool, that which is to be accepted, that which is to be uh, deemed normal, and it's a new characteristic or character characterization of a new form of righteousness. Woke righteousness. Not biblical righteousness, but woke righteousness. This is how the LGBTQ issue is being used as the engine of persecution against believers, true believers today. So great is this that it has just divided off 150 congregations uh, for the United Methodist Church in Texas alone just in the last two weeks. 150 churches. Their stand, the people stand in those churches for the biblical, God-defined understanding an expectation concerning the relationships of men and women, husbands and wives, was defied by the majority in the United Methodist Church. 
that began to anoint homosexual bishops, lesbian bishops, all in open and dramatic contravention of God's own word. Therefore, those who would not go along with it were marginalized. It's a form of persecution. How can you, and then would be labeled as unloving, you see, you're unloving because you're not going along with the culture du jour and its dictates. This is how persecution is moving today in America. And it's taking increasingly legal forms, if you can call it legality. The balance of the program today, we're going to take a look at a number of these. And I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. It's Viewpoint. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Christmas and persecution, they go hand in hand. There's the joy of the Christ child being born. He was born to die. How would he die? By persecution, through crucifixion. He was born to die. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Why do you think you should be different than your Lord? So today, as we focus on this aspect, one would not normally think about focusing on this at Christmas time, but it's necessary. Let me tell you why it's necessary. Because nobody wants to talk about it. And if you don't talk about it, you pretend that it doesn't exist. You pretend that it's not real. You pretend that you're not going to have to prepare those you love for even more intense persecution. And so you wink at it, and you keep silence, and you fail through lack of true love to prepare your children and your grandchildren, pastors uh, refusing to prepare their congregations for that which is coming on steroids. What we're talking about here today is rather modest compared to what is coming on its heels. And so the reason we would talk about this is not to scare people, but it's to help you be prepared. How do you think John the Baptist was prepared for the persecution that hit him? How do you think Jesus was prepared for the persecution that hit him? How do you think the disciples were persecuted, were, were prepared for the persecution that hit them? They had to be prepared. And that preparation took time. 
And it took exposure in a way that was greater than usual to the Messiah, the Savior. So everybody might be looking for a Messiah, but they're looking for a Messiah without the persecution that comes with the Messiah. That's the problem. It's a Pollyanna view of the nature and times surrounding the coming of Messiah. I urge you to get a copy of my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, not because it talks about persecution. It doesn't talk particularly about persecution per se, but it does talk about all of the contravening views and ideas that are everywhere, everywhere. And how to identify them, because increasingly those views, remember we say viewpoint determines destiny, those views are going to be amplified in such a way as to be carried out then by governmental forces and other kinds of forces that will create such pressure on people, including Christians, in fact, especially on Christians, such pressure that unless people are prepared, unless they're prepared to stand, and having done all to stand, keep their loins girt about with truth, and so on, unless they're prepared, seriously prepared, they will capitulate. They will. They'll go along to get along, whatever it takes, because they're not prepared to stand. So when the prophet Malachi says, uh, the Lord himself shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. And then he says, and who shall abide the day of his coming? And who shall be able to stand when he appears? Who shall abide the day of his coming? And who shall be able to stand when he appears? Hmm. He's talking about the end of the age. He's talking about when Messiah comes. Again, who shall be able to abide his coming? Who shall be able to stand when he appears? That same language is repeated in the New Testament. Who shall be able to stand? Who who shall be able to abide his coming? The answer is only those who are really, truly prepared. Only those who have been studying to show themselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, only those who have been meditating and delighting in the word every day, only those who have been building the word into their lives, only those who have dedicated themselves to obediently follow the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord because of two things. First of all, because they fear God, and secondly, because they love Jesus. You can't love Jesus without fearing God, because Jesus said, I and the Father are one. You see? So it all goes hand in hand. We must be preparing the way of the Lord. The book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, $22 on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. 
P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, as we have been mentioning this week, we have put together uh, some packages of our books for December. This month only. This month only. So since I was just mentioning Messiah, we'll mention the book Antichrist. We have prepared a package, Antichrist and Messiah, for $36 when the normal price per each is a total of $44. That's pretty significant, but what? uh, Very significant savings. Then another package, Hearts of the Fathers, two copies of Hearts of the Fathers, Retail on that's $46. We're making it available for $33 for the two books. Tremendous gifts, friends. Talk about gifts that uh, parents and grandparents can give. Hearts of the fathers. Wow. Then, the book Messiah. We want to get that out, the message out. So we're making available... Three copies of Messiah. You get three copies of Messiah. It's only going to cost you $51 instead of 66 That's $15 off for the three books. Plus, of course, you pay postage and handling. So we're urging people to get a copy, get these packages, not to make money. I don't make any money from it. I don't make any money from it. Then there's another package, Seduction of the Saints, King of the Mountain, and Antichrist. $41 will put that $60 group of books in your hands. That's a savings of $19. So, we're making these available because we want to maximize the opportunity for you to become part of what we're doing to get these messages out as broadly and as quickly as possible. You'll find these packages on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. I hope you'll avail yourself of them. Now, let us move forward with this issue of Christmas and persecution. Remember, The Bible says all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He was born to die. He was born to suffer persecution for righteousness' sake. So he said, Jesus said, don't be surprised if you suffer persecution, but make sure you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. The Apostle Peter repeated the theme over and over again, saying, don't be surprised concerning the fiery trial that shall come. Well, if it's going to be a fiery trial, a difficult trial, then don't you think we ought to be more concerned about being prepared, get serious about more sober-minded concerning our faith, concerning preparing our children and our grandchildren? Do you know that yours truly has been preparing his, began preparing my children when they were four, five, six years of age. That's right. 
And over years, over time, we would increase the focus so that over time they were led to love the Lord, to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, to walk in the fear of the Lord, to walk in righteousness, so that they would become stronger and stronger and stronger, exercising the word of God in their lives so that when the time of trouble comes, they will be prepared. Now, here is an article that just came out from the Family Foundation uh, at the end of last week, just exactly one week ago in the evening in Richmond, Virginia, where we broadcast from, an hour and a half before uh, tables were reserved for the Family Foundation in a private room in a restaurant in Richmond, Virginia. That restaurant advised the Family Foundation, notwithstanding their reservations, that they would not be allowed entry. Why? Because they were a pro-family group. So solely based upon their religious beliefs, they were not going to be allowed to eat in the restaurant. Victoria Cobb, the head of the organization, said it's alarming and disgraceful that this restaurant has a political litmus test to get in the front door. Well, it's not just political. It's spiritual, friends. If we just talk in terms of political, we're missing the point. This is spiritual rebellion. This is actually open persecution, whether you want to call it extreme bigotry, intolerance of people of faith, whatever kind of language you want to use, but it actually is a spiritual persecution. Right here in Richmond, Virginia, that when we first came here 30 years ago, writings in the city called it the Holy City because of so many churches. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, and quite frankly, we've just begun to discuss these issues What do you think Walmart might have to do with all of this? Yes, you heard it right. Walmart. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. We're talking about why persecution needs to be considered in this day and age, in connection with the first coming of Christ. Because at the first coming of Christ, 
Herod, as a type of Antichrist, determined he was not going to allow anybody, no authority, nobody to come into possible contravention of his dominion in Jerusalem and in Israel. Wasn't going to allow it. So he decreed that all the little boy babies in Bethlehem, two years of age and under, should be killed. Would you call that persecution? It was persecution of a whole group of people because they were linked to the birth of the Messiah. In fact, the Bible says that God, through an angel, gave a dream to Joseph to lead his child and mother to flee into Egypt until such time as Herod was dead. Why? Because of the raging persecution. Now, a law school silent after diversity committee committee demonized a Christian law firm. A justice to the to the Kansas Supreme Court resigned from his teaching position at the University of Kansas School of Law after an administrator tried to convince students to cancel an event featuring a senior lawyer with Alliance Defending Freedom and a school diversity committee condemned that Christian legal organizations as a purveyor of hate speech. So that's another way that uh, uh, persecution is taking place. You're labeled. You're labeled. You're not only marginalized, but you're labeled. You're a hater. You're biased. You're this. You're that. It's a form of gaslighting, friends. You're a hater. So... A justice on the Kansas Supreme Court resigned because of what the law school he was teaching at did. They called it a hate group. What would you have done? In a letter resigning his teaching position at the law school, Kansas Supreme Court Justice Caleb Stegall wrote to the dean of the law school that students told him that an associate dean and a professor met with leaders of the school's Federalist Society chapter and pressured the students to cancel an event with the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom's senior counsel. They identified who these individuals were, Leah Terranova and Professor Pam Keller. The student leaders were told several times to consider what this would do to their reputation. Are those who preach tolerance for their own perverse lifestyles the most intolerant people of all? Says the Supreme Court, the the, uh, Justice, the Kansas Supreme Court. They tried to marginalize them, threaten them with their careers. How dare you bring in a group that represents life into this unit, into this law school?
I indicated just uh, a day or two ago here on the program that Hallmark has been going through a major uh, revision in their programming, in their uh, underlying convictions, and so on. Hallmark, a very, very popular uh, site for all kinds of uh, wholesome movies, decided about two years ago that they were going to begin to introduce homosexual themes, homosexual practices, and more and more they began to do that until they had them openly kissing on the program. And so there was a group led by uh, uh, Candace Cameron Bure, a Christian who was a leader there at Hallmark, one of the key, key actresses, said, this is, an, this is too much. And so they began to deal with a number of other actors and actresses there at Hallmark that had become very, very popular. Some of the leading actors and actresses there were Christians, and they were offended. They were very troubled by what was going on at Hallmark. They felt that they could no longer support that. So one of the executives with Hallmark decided to leave Hallmark and form a new organization called Great American Family, GAF, or GAC actually is called, GAC. So if you wanted to click your uh, television you would click or ask for GAC, and it will take you to the Great American Family Network. Okay. So you have a number of actors and actresses there, including the chief creative officer, Candace Cameron Bure, who is also one of the actresses there, and the CEO, Bill Abbott. Well, now... Fox News came out with a piece to kind of slap GAC, Great American Family, and Candace Cameron Bure with a kind of labeling because they refused to support the LGBTQ agenda. So they decided to focus on a particular actor who had left, or at least who had done some work with the new GAC, American Family, Great American Family uh, Programming, over the past uh, year or so. And he left. He decided to leave GAC. Why did he decide to leave? He said, I'm an artist. I yearn to be proud of the work I create. But the thought that my work could be used to discriminate against someone horrifies and infuriates me. What was he talking about? He was talking about the fact that Great American Family was formed for the purpose of communicating a much more righteous and wholesome message that Hallmark had originally been created to do, but had now defiled. This Actor, Neil Bledsoe, says he's leaving that network. He's leaving the Great American Family Network. 
He's responding to a statement that Beret made last month when she told the Wall Street Journal that GAF will not feature same-sex couples in its holiday movies. She says, I think that great American family will keep traditional marriage at the core. The sparks flew across the country, friends, and the media rose up in absolute, unmitigated, outrageous persecution against GAF and Candace Cameron Bure. How dare you do such a thing? Celebrities were the leaders in responding. But here is what Mr. Bledsoe had to say. He said, I was raised as a Christian and believe in the essential message of love and forgiveness. That said, he said, I could never forgive myself for continuing my relationship with a network that actively chooses to exclude the LGBTQIA plus community. Really? So what Mr. Bledsoe actually was saying is, look, I was raised as a Christian. I believe in love and forgiveness, but I don't buy into the rest of the Christian message. He said, it saddens me that the media is often seeking to, oh, this is what Beret said in response. It saddens me that the media is often seeking to divide us, even around a subject as comforting and merry as Christmas movies. But given the toxic climate in our culture right now, I shouldn't be surprised. The term toxic climate is a reference to the open and growing persecution against righteousness. She said, we need Christmas more than ever. I'm a devoted Christian, said Beret, which means that I believe that every human being bears the image of God. Because of that, I'm called to love all people, and I do. But Bledsoe says he feels compelled to distance himself from Great American Family due to his strong ties to the LGBTQ community. Now, what are his strong ties? He said, my life wouldn't be where it is today without the love, support, and guidance of the LGBTQIA community. From my mentors in college to the myriad of agents and managers, writers and directors, teachers and colleagues, I owe them a great debt, he said. As someone who struggled as a young man with a society's extremely narrow definition of masculinity, it was their community that provided me with refuge and a guiding light when my life felt lost. In other words, he's confessing that he's a homosexual. No wonder he feels he should never have gone to them in the first place. Why did he? You see, he is becoming, in the name of LGBTQ, an agent of persecution within the entire media and the nation. But how about Walmart? A high-profile institutions like Disney have been under fire by family groups for years for pro-LGBTQ policies and activism. But there's another powerful force now that's on the radar. The Walton family and their Walmart Foundation are suddenly getting lots of attention. Why? 
It's no secret the heirs of Walmart founder Sam Walton have given millions of dollars for LGBTQ-related causes and events in their home state of Arkansas. Walton's daughter, Alice Walton, and grandson, Tom Walton, along with Tom's wife, Olivia, have spearheaded these initiatives. People, friends, these people are billionaires. Last year, the Alice Walton Foundation and the Walton Family Foundation established the Arkansas LGBTQ Plus Advancement Fund, a statewide $1 million fund designed to distribute grants of $25,000 and above for Arkansas-based organizations that provide services to the LGBT community. In other words, to advance the cause of sexual perversion in the country. These organizations funded by the Walton and Walmart foundations have also sponsored local drag shows and drag store hours, story hours for kids. The group's stated mission is to, quote, provide programs, education, and advocacy to serve, connect, and empower the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer LGBTQ community, unquote. Now, what do you think this is? What do you think this does? This is promoting sexual perversion as defined by God in the Bible. In other words, it's shaking its fist against the Creator and against all Christians who would embrace what the Creator's viewpoint is and say, we're going to war with you. We're going to war with you. Now, the net effect of that is this is persecution to the max against all Christians, against the entire nation as a Christian nation, in order to advance the cause of that which God says he hates and is an abomination. This is how the LGBTQ agenda is being used, friends, as the engine of persecution, and it isn't over yet. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Get a copy of the books that we've talked about, the special December packages on our website, saveus.org. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Don't delay. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 